Damn. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Welcome to episode 59 of Running Matters. I'm known as Wolfie and I'm joined with my co-host today, Hattie. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well, Wolf. Our special guest today is Andy Reid. Thanks for giving up your time today, Andy. My pleasure. Sorry it's taken so long for us to get it done. It's um, it's a busy world at the moment, isn't it? Bloody yeah, hell. Less busy at the moment, though, Reedy. Well, actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we've got a lot more time now. But before before when we were trying to tee this up, it was um, all guns are blazing. Now I've, I've got nothing to do. <laughs> Mate, we almost had you on your wedding day, didn't we? I think potentially it was that weekend. I got married on a Friday. I think we were looking at the Sunday. <laughs> and you just forgot about it when you Yeah, I just thought my missus would be okay with it. She seems to be okay with everything else. She's a pretty good bird. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still disappointed. <laughs> she, <laughs> she puts up with me, so she must be all right. <laughs> Before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Renoa, Sydney Brewery, Go Energy, Guy Me Allied Health, Basecamp Altitude, T8 Run and Fractal Running Caps. I'd also like to thank our partner, Jimmy Carroll, who's doing the editing behind the scenes. Okay, all right, here we go. Andy, uh, most people would know you was Reedy from Bondi Rescue. Has that changed your life much? Uh, Bondi Rescue probably completely changed my life. Um, oh, to be honest, I probably owe everything I'm doing now to the fact that I was lucky enough to be working at Bondi when they decided to do a TV show. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I mean, you, I love the saying. Um, uh, you, there's a good saying about luck. Um, it's everyone gets lucky. It's what you do with that luck, and uh, and so I've been pretty lucky to be able to capitalise on the luck that we got by having a TV show filmed at the beach that we work at. And um, yeah, I'm now. You know, live a pretty good life of like either working at events or doing events and and uh, and getting paid for it, which is fun. What's what? What's the best thing and what's the worst thing about being, you know, known as as a TV celebrity? Um, I'm pretty lucky. I don't know why, but I don't really get trolled. Um, I've seen a lot of like, I mean, and, and again, I reckon celebrity is like a loose word. I don't really consider myself a celebrity like it's i'm just a lifeguard that just happens to be on a reality tv show and that's the thing with reality tv is like you can anyone can pretty much get on a reality tv show these days you just have a crack at a survivor or something like that and you you get your five minutes of fame i just think um i don't know i just the best part about it i guess is to be able to utilize it and in a way to i guess try and uh, I don't like the word inspire because I don't really find myself very inspiring, but I guess try and encourage more people to do what I like to do and, and, and be active and stuff like that. I quite, I quite like that. And that comes from a genuine place. Um, whereas um, probably the downside to it is, I guess, uh, sometimes you can say the wrong things and everyone's offended these days. Like it's, it's really easy to offend people and having a bit of a profile, you, I guess it, becomes on a broader scale um, yeah yeah so you're Did not getting any you're not getting any weird stuff going people sending your undies and things like that in the mail no nah, i reckon that's because i've got a head like a drop pie but um, 
pretty old now, but um, nah, I never get the DMs in my Instagram from hot young birds. I don't know if that's how I'm married with a kid or whatever, but you know, heaps of the young boys they get all that sort of stuff all the time. But nah, and I, but I don't seem to get trolled either. Like if I ever sort of say something, I try and avoid political statements and things like that. I always try to talk about things that I'm passionate about because I always appreciate people that have an opinion whether I agree with them or not. But um, but yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I don't like usually someone will DM me and say that's probably not the right thing to say or whatever. But yeah, I try and stay away from controversy too much. So oh, cool. So really, how did it go when you were sort of initially thrust into that public eye? Did did the exposure come naturally, or did you struggle with it to start with, mate? Uh it was a little bit. I mean, it was a little bit weird at first, and we all didn't. A lot of us didn't really know how to handle it. Some of the guys. Um, probably handled it worse than others. Um, I was part of a group probably about three or four years in when we realised that we could potentially, I don't know, make a little bit something more of more of our profiles outside of the show just because um, um, I guess in the show Bondo Rescue as opposed to like a border security or whatever, they actually profiled, profiled guys' personalities. So they, they realised that the characters were what made the show, not actually the lifeguarding, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, It was the characters behind that. And so when we realised we kind of had our characters profiled on the show, people actually knew who we were and wanted to interact with us. So, um, so yeah, I guess uh, a group of us went out and we sort of approached the management company and there was everyone had the opportunity to join us, but heaps of guys were kind of like, what are you doing that for? You know, and then next minute the guys that had gone and approached the company started getting um, invites to movie premieres and all that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, and it led to kind of us doing quite cool stuff, which in turn leads to other things. Suddenly brands want to partner with you. And, and um, so, yeah, so that was probably, that was probably a, a good move. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me it was, and we got a little bit of media training from them and I think it's just common sense. Like, like, and I guess, we were taught, I was, well, me personally, I was taught pretty good values um, by my parents where, you know, you, you don't speak poorly of people. And I, you know, you just use all those little tools that you were taught, uh, like that are, or that are just general, you know, I think good person skills. And they apply to being, I guess, someone with a profile. And if you don't have those, well, I think that's where people sort of go wrong a little bit. Mm. And, and do you think that's uh, uh, sort of by? Morality plays into the fact that you don't get trolled, mate. You sort of keep keep on the straight and narrow and uh, don't create too many waves. Yeah, I'm also lucky that I reckon, like, I I wouldn't say, like, I probably play on the straight and narrow now. Having a wife and a kid probably helps with that. But um, back in my 20s and my 30s, and this was, I mean, you could go deep into, like, some of the boys' Instagram accounts back when Instagram probably wasn't as mainstream media as it is now and you'd find some images of us all playing up and the things we used to like, we would purposely put pictures, like I had pictures of my boss passed out on the bathroom floor in the nude like, and, and, and I would obviously put a little black dot over his pecker and I'd put that up and, you know, 10 years ago for some reason it wasn't, you know, but if I did that now, it'd be a massive problem. So um, I don't know and I guess I'm pretty real. Like if someone potentially was to try and but yeah i just try and stay away from that stuff and if, if someone was potentially to try and troll me i'd probably just block them or you know do whatever you need to do to kind of avoid it i guess pretty Delete. simple mate i guess yeah so yeah. What, what about um traveling around can you sort of uh go anywhere in the world without being recognized these days mate <laughs> mate it's actually quite weird we um i've been lucky enough to travel to a lot of different places whether it be for events or 
work, um, making documentaries and stuff like that. And and it's surprising the places that you'll you'll go and you'll you'll get recognised. I guess just because Bondi Rescue is shown in I think it's 180 countries or something, maybe even more now. Um, it's kind of like the new age Baywatch without Pamela Anderson. As much as we've tried to get Pammy on the show, we uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've had no luck. But um, I mean, yeah, not I, me, not so much anymore. I'm probably I'm probably only on the show. I've sort of featured in, a, and by featured, I mean I've probably been on a couple of episodes every season for the last five years, just purely because I've, I've, I've been there nearly twenty years now, and I guess the last five years I don't do it as full time as I used to. So I'm, and that's the thing with Bondo Rescue is if you're there and something busy happens, and you're there when something happens, you'll be on the show. Mm. If you're, there's, you know, there's thirty seven lifeguards, and this season you probably only, you probably only seen eight of them. So, you know, I just happened to be on one episode because I worked years day and it was busy and I helped a girl. So that'll be me in that season. But I guess you're not profiled as much as you used to. And the show's tr- changed a lot over the years in the fact that um, council have a lot more to say about what goes to air. Okay. Um, so back in the day, I don't know if you guys watch it much or not, but um, back in the day, we'd play pranks on each other like all <laughs> the time. And that and that was quite it was quite funny, you know, like. Um, and then one of the last pranks that, that we did that never went to air um, was I actually scuba dived with an inflatable shark, half inflated, um, <laughs> from, from the rocks at North Bondi in under the shark. We sent one of the trainees out to check the nets. Uh, and so <laughs> the back of the jet ski, he dives down. We say, you know, we've got to check the nets every day. And if there's something in it, we've got to call the shark guy. And so as he dives in on the net, you know, the net seems like a scary place, even though it's probably the one place you want to be because the shark's probably going to get caught in the nets. Anyway, he dives in. I let the shark go, and the shark comes flying to the surface because it's full of air. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to eat him, and he goes scrambling. Anyway, they filmed it, got some great content, and council said, nah, that looks like that's bullying in the workplace. That can't go to air. So, uh, uh, Serious? They weren't worried about the shark scaring off? The, the fake shark? The swimmers are worried about well, it was just—I guess it was just like you know, just so everything's so criticism. Everything's so what's the word I'm looking for? Everything's so politically uh, correct. Yeah, I guess. politically correct these days, and they are a government government um, body, and I guess they got to do what they got to do. But oh, I think it's sort of—I mean, they st- the production company still does a really good job of getting that fun side of what we do. Because if we don't have that fun side, and we we aren't a bunch of kind of light-hearted guys then the serious side will kind of take over. And, you know, the suicides and the things that we deal with is is probably a little bit graphic. So you kind of got to have that fun side of it. We still do it. We just can't yeah. make TV. Balance. Yeah. 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 Right. Can, uh, can we chat about Can we chat about running? So uh, 20 years ago you were 110 kilos and you started running to lose weight. Were you Were you a lifeguard back then? Uh, no, I, so I, I can tell you the story really quickly. I was basically, I was a good swimmer. Both my, my sisters, my sisters both went to the Pan Pacific games. They, they're both, um, they were both, they could have got my probably younger sister probably could have gone to the Olympics. Um, she was really good, but we started really young. We started like eight. Um, and then when I, they kept going and when I was 12, I became mates with a guy at swimming and his dad had a bit of money and, and so I'd go back to his house after swimming training every day and his, his dad would, and my old mum would send us down the shop with 50 bucks each to buy lollies. And so <laughs> you can imagine how many lollies you would get for 50 bucks back then. I mean, I think a, a red skin was like 10 cents. So like, you know, 
you know, we, and we would just sit in the park. And, and over the course of like six months, I put on, I probably put on about 40, 50 kilos. So um, I was a pretty big boy. And then I went through my teenage years, like probably, yeah, about 100, 110 kilos at Waverley. And then I got kicked out of Waverley because I kind of got into smoking a bit of dope and stuff, you know, as kids do. Um, hated it, but did it because the other guys did it. And then went to Dover Heights High, which was voted the worst school in Sydney, but it ended up being the best thing for me because um, none of the kids in my year could afford pot or anything and didn't want to do it. They all wanted to play sports. So um, I got back into sport again. It was the best thing I could have done. And uh, and then when I was probably about 19 or 20, I was working at Doyle's at Watson's Bay. I'd sort of done everything there was to do at Doyle's. Um, and then a job came up being a Garbo, and I always liked the idea of being a Garbo because I, I quite liked running, but I'd never done a lot of it. But I just liked the idea of the hours, you know, like job and finish. You go in there at 4.30. I'm a very early riser. I love an early start, um, thanks to my mum, because she's always up early. But um, And I was like, mate, I'm out of there at nine. How good? I can just go to the beach and whatever. And so I started being a Garbo. And, and, and over the course of like sort of a couple of months, I got fit pretty quickly just doing that sort of running. And then and I was like, oh. Might start running outside of work, and so I started sort of doing a bit of running outside, and then uh, and then that was it. I used that used the running to lose the rest of the weight that I sort of was carrying, and and just absolutely fell in love with running. And I think my first, I'll never forget. Hey, eh, when I was a kid, I remember. I'm pretty sure I was working the aid station up Heartbreak Hill the year that Monteghetti uh, set the record of 40:03 for the city to surf. Yeah. Um, yeah and I, th- I think you could correct me if I'm wrong. Was it 1997? 1991, I reckon. 1991. Yeah, that would be right. Sorry, 97, I was about 18. 1991. So, yeah, I would have been about, yeah, I would have been 12 years old. That's when I would have been a teenager, and I lived on Heartbreak Hill. Um, so I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100%, but I'll never forget Mona's running up the, running up Heartbreak Hill. It was it was uh, he was absolutely smashing it, and um, and I always thought, geez, I'd love to do that one day. And then obviously I went through my teenage years, pretty chubby. And then I, I once I started running, I'll never forget. I started like like walk walking around the block, and then I started walk running, and then I started doing the block like three times. And I remember I was on a diet of just like salad sandwiches and stuff, and I just lost heaps of weight real quick. And and uh, and yeah, and it was just um. And that was it. I just fell in love with running, and then and then I'd sort of been a garbo for a couple of years. Um, did a city, few city surfers, sorry, a few city to surf, and then one of the boys I was working with at the garbos also worked as a lifeguard, and he said, "Mate, why don't you try it for the lifeguards? You love it." And I knew I could swim because I was always a good swimmer. I've lost all this weight, so I thought, "Yeah, bloody oath, I'll just try it." And <laughs> went down and paddled aboard a few times because I'd done nippers as a kid, but then once I once I got fat at twelve, I didn't I stopped doing it. I didn't want to go to the beach. Didn't want to the off, so, um, <laughs> and then and then yeah, next minute I'm a lifeguard. I was doing the did the both for about oh, I reckon I did the both for about eight years. I would work as a garbo, like job and finish. So I'd be done at like eight nine o'clock, and I'd be on the beach from ten to seven. So it was a yeah, big day. Really. I loved it. Yeah, that's unreal. So, so, yeah. um, so since then you've run about 24 marathons and your PB was in Melbourne. You ran a, a 257. Um, yep. You've had seven attempts to crack three hours at the Gold Coast. Your best time was 301. Yeah, um, 
Yeah. Yep. So last year you ran 3.13, but you had a few issues leading into it. You had a, a glute tear, what, four weeks out, then a hip issue two weeks out. So you had to back off uh, the well, track. Well, the, yeah, sorry. The, 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 hip, sorry, the, hip, the hip thing came from – the thing was Garmin had said, Garmin said, look, we want you to have another crack at the three on the Goldie. We know you've done it in Melbourne, but it's quite a cool story that, that you, if you did it on the Goldie. And I said – and what had happened was – in November, I tore my plantar plate uh, in my foot, and uh, shit story. But my wife loves to come home from work and put things in. Like she comes home from a night shift and just dumps everything on the floor in the hallway and goes to bed. And I'm in bed already, and I get up, go to go to the toilet, and I literally kicked her suitcase wheel barefoot and Ooh. split my big toe and my second toe and tore the plantar plate underneath. Fitting um, it. Yeah, well, that's what the, that's what the that's what the podiatrist worked out in the end. I just had this excruciating pain after it, and we kind of. I know he said, "Have you done any injury?" And I said, "That I kicked the I kicked the wheel of her suitcase." I said, "Could that be?" And he said, "That's what we put it down to, anyway." Um, so you're dealing with sharks all day, and you injure yourself on a suitcase, mate. Hundred percent ridiculous. <laughs> Jesus, like, she's so blase about. It. Oh, it's filthy because obviously running is my thing, and I love it, um, but. Anyway, so that happened in November, and I sort of didn't really have any races. It was coming into summer, you know, no running races and stuff. But then I'd, I'd signed up to Red Bull Defiance, which is probably my favourite race ever. It's a two-day adventure race over in Wanaka, which is probably my favourite place in the world. I'd love to move there one day um, just because it's amazing. And um, so I knew I had to do that. So a podiatrist came up with this really cool um, orthotic for me, which literally offset my second and third toe. And so I actually like took a step and I, there was no pressure through it. Um, so I got through defiance and then they hit me up after that, which was in sort of middle of Feb. And they said, do you want to have a crack at Goldie? And I said, mate, I haven't got a very good base. Like, you know, like a sub three hour marathon, if it's not really your, not easy for you, you need a good base. And I said, I'll have a crack, but I don't know how it's going to go. And so Mottram starts training me and, and, um, and the one thing that I took for granted was strength. And the one thing that I took out of that prep was, um, I just assumed that running would make me strong, but you know, once you turn 35, anything over 35, you, 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 your muscles are deteriorating. So I learned that you know you've got to do your strength work as well. It's it's probably more important than the running. So um, other if you want to try and not get injured, so and that's what happened. I ended up. I thought it was a hip issue, but it was it was actually um, it was actually a a glute issue that we worked out. I did some did some stuff with the guys at the running room down there at Clovelly and they were amazing. We, they put me on their treadmill and they wired me up with all these things and we just worked out. We worked out the other thing which was interesting was over the years with my muscles deteriorating, my cadence had slowed down a lot with my running. Obviously, as I've got older, my strength wasn't there. So I sort of got a little bit lazy with my running and it's funny. He said, he said, I reckon we've got to get your cadence back up to about 190. And I was like, what is it now? And he said, oh, mate, it's probably about one." 170 175 but you need to be out fit enough to be able to run at 190 i went back to where i'd run melbourne 257 and i had a look at my cadence and it was 190 (laughs) that is is moving pretty quick actually 190 is some high turnover yeah it is but yeah i mean it's it's um it's it it was interesting i just said mate, i'm gonna go and check my cadence from when i ran sub three and it was exactly 190 so um and, and and the funny thing was as soon as as soon as we, like when he put me on the machine, as soon as we got me running up at that high cadence, the pain in my glute went away. That's um, awesome. Yeah, which was which felt like it was in my hip, but it was just a referred pain from my glute. So, 
Um, so, yeah. And once I did some glute exercises and strength and I got on the ball and released it, it was, it was 10 times better. So That's what they reckon. We all, all need to be doing some, uh, some strength work and keeping those calves and glutes strong as we get older. They reckon that's the only the secret to longevity in running. So everyone can take yeah. a look out of that book. Yeah, oh, honey, that was what I kind of called Craig out on it a little bit. Um, Craig Mocham, I was like, mate, I feel like you should have known that I was like over the age of 35. And, you know, like, I feel like that, or if anything, there's some learnings from that when you're coaching someone that's that's older, like that's almost a non-negotiable session. And the funny thing was I was doing heaps of stretching, but no strength. And the running room guys were like, when you're older, um, strength over stretching every day of the week. Because if you haven't got the strength, um, you know, your muscles are just going to not be able to handle the load. And just good to blame the coach too. What would, what would Craig Watson know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would know absolutely nothing. Anything over uh, 20K's calves go anyway. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> how um, did you get on to Craig? Were you already mates with him or how did that come about? Uh, I was lucky. I sort of do a lot of work up at Noosa Tri, where he's probably he's actually inducted into the Noosa Triathlon Hall of Fame. Um, and so we, he obviously works on the mic for the five k bolt, and through working with him at City to Surf because he does the on uh, commentary, the TV commentary, and mate, we've just become good mates. And and when I when Garmin asked me about it, I spoke to the guys at Goldie Marathon, and when they wanted me to do the marathon, I thought I might just. I know Craig does a lot of online coaching, so I thought I'd just hit him up. And see, and see if he uh, if he'd be interested in coaching me. And he said, "Mate, well, let's have a crack at it." So it was really good. And the, I think the the good thing about it was we did the Instagram lives where he was giving me feedback on stuff. And it, I think you know people love to hear from Buster. He was such a legend of the sport. I mean, he still is. But um, it's uh, it was quite cool to have hear his point of view on certain things when it came to that stuff. So it was good. I mean, he was he he paced Jen Tre- Jess Trengove to her. Um, I think it was her Com Games qualifier in Melbourne when she ran three uh, two twenty nine. So, yeah, he yeah, paced just went out for a cruisy marathon, paced her around. Yeah, I don't know if it was cruisy for him. I'm trying to convince him to try and <laughs> run sub three with me on the Goldie this year. He said he'll run the first twenty one with me, and that's it. I said, mate, I'm not going to need you in the first twenty one. I need you on the second. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Would, would you so want watch think, him on um, the back twenty one though? Mate, I'd love it if I ran out of steam. He just jumped straight on the big gorilla's back. He'd be <laughs> the finish line. He's a big human. He is a big human. So Gold Coast uh, supposed to be on the the week of the fifth of July, but they've suspended entries. When do you think the race will be on? Any any ideas? From what I know, they're going to make the call mid May. Um, I think that was what they told everyone. They said they're obviously going to leave it to the very last minute. And I, mate, I'm hoping that it's one of the first events on the calendar once we get out of this, get out of what's going on at the moment. Hopefully, it's a, such a scary time. I mean, God, I hope we all get to go up and run the Gold Coast Marathon. It's such a, an amazing event. I've, I've been lucky. I've been lucky enough to run it seven times. And a big part of the reason why I keep going back is because it's such a well-organised event. Um, all I know that. Um, it's a not-for-profit event, so all the money goes back into the event. They just do such a really good job organising it. The atmosphere for an Australian marathon is is as good as it gets. Um, the crowds on the course and stuff. Um, although the Townsville Marathon, if you've ever done that one, that was one of my favourites too. They have a crew of oldies that have this thing called the pajama party at forty k out. Uh, sorry, at forty k 
pace. And it's just all these oldies literally in their pyjamas on the piss at 8 o'clock in the morning because the race starts at 5. Um, and, 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 you hit, and, and I hit the 40K mark, and I think I was on for a 3.30. That's usually when I'm just doing it for, for whatever. I usually just try and run about a 3.30. And they just handed me a beer and I chugged it. I think it was – I think it was about, it might have been 7 o'clock actually. No, it would have been about, no, it would have been 8 o'clock because they start at 5. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been 8 o'clock and I necked the beer and then finished 2K later. So, <laughs> but, yeah, Mate, there's so the plenty of sugar in beer. Yeah. So, I've actually got a thing on the Goldie Marathon now. The last three or four times I've run it, as Olympic swimmer Megan Nay hands me a beer at about 36, just after you turn around at Labrador and head back go to the dog leg she's all, she's got a house there and she her and her family all sit out the front on the piss and every year for the last three or four years she's handed me a beer and i've sculled it and she's filmed it and this year i said my goal is to be able to still run three and scull the beer so i think so you're still going to do it i'll still if if i'm if i if i don't think i'm going to be able to get there i just i'm in pretty good shape at the moment i've got a really good base um i'm feeling good i reckon uh, you know, if I've got a, if I've got, a, if I know I've got a thirty seconds up my sleeve, I'm sculling the beer. <laughs> that is unreal. And how do you go yeah. with the uh, the post scull gas there, Reedy? Um, yeah, it never goes down too well. There's one of the ones <laughs> two years ago. I think you see me scull it, and I sort of jog, and then I stop and start walking, and and uh, just get get a few burps out, and then it's all it's all good. But I mean that. That's what I love about Australia. That's what I love about marathons is like, you know, they're, yeah, they're just two iconic things. And when you combine them both, beer and marathons, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, I mate, that, that's on our crest for Running Matters. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, we pursued this uh, interview. That's why I've been chasing you for over six months. <laughs> I, um, we, had a, we had a chat with uh, your mate Chris Truscott, CT, Last year, oh yeah, yeah, he goes. Um, right. Yeah, he goes all right. He's run uh, twenty nine sub three hour marathons in a row, and how he many, how he sub fifty city to surf. Yeah, he's done. I reckon, tw- I, he's done nearly thirty, I think, sub 50, 20, Yeah, city to surfs. Yeah, that's he's got an amazing. That's more impressive than his marathons. The sub fifty city to surfs. Like yeah. anyone, you got you, you boys have probably run sub fifty city to surfs. I'm sure. No. Not this little black duck. No. Oh, mate, that's that was probably my greatest running achievement. I reckon I I tried for ten years to break fifty in the city to surf. I had a few fifty ones, fifty twos, and then the year I did it was I did it in Dickies because I I thought I just want to be as arrow as I can. And <laughs> probably the probably the one of the other years I didn't take my phone because <laughs> I'm like attached to it. But um, and I I, I, I don't, do you guys know Andrew Mellor? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Andrew Mello, he had the fastest Spider Man for a while. I think he's 40. Oh, yeah. Spider Man yeah. suit. Um, yeah. He, it's funny, we ended up at the final bend. I think it was the last year they did the old course at the final bend across the road from Lamrock Avenue. And there's him, me and him, neck and neck. And I remember at the top, this year at the top of Heartbreak Hill, I'd turn my watch around because I was so, or Garmin, I was so sick of like, looking at it and seeing where I was at and in a race like that you just can't you can't gauge off your time because it's so hilly um yeah and I knew I knew I had I knew I was at halfway and I just thought just turn the watch around you know Bondi you're running home like I grew up in Blue, so um I just said just run home as hard as you can so that's what I did and 
And I remember taking that turn. Melor was to my left, and there's a really good photo of us neck and neck. And uh, and I and I'm looking down the car park through Queen Elizabeth Drive, and I could see the arch. And I thought I thought it said 49. You've got about 200 to go there. And I mm. thought it said 49. I thought it said 49.50, and I was like, I haven't done it. I haven't. Because I, I started right on the start line. And I was like, I'm not going to get there. And as I got closer, it must have said 49.20 or something. Or, or, or I don't know, but it was 49 something. And then as I got closer, I realized I was going to get there. But I literally did 49.46. So it means if I was – and it's 14K course. So if I was one second per K slower, I was never would have got there. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Uh, oh, mate, I pissed blood after it like I was, I was – <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Three thirty pace on that course is like, whoa, yeah, that's oh, incredible. God. I still can't, I still, I still can't believe I did it. Actually, like, yeah, that's good, yeah, like mate. Is, yeah, mate. How, how much, um, how much time do you actually get to focus on training between all of sort of your media commitments, etc.? Um, I just I try and get one session in a day. At the moment, I'm getting two or three, which is kind of good, but it's destroying my immune system, and I keep, I keep getting little bits of sickness but I'm, I'm managing it quite well with a couple of things i'm on i got onto athletic greens when i um i don't know if you guys have heard of it it hasn't come to australia yet but uh i won't go into too much detail about how it was started but it's actually got a really cool story I've got time to look into it um but i kept getting sick from um from winnie going to daycare um this was sort of november december and i knew the year that i had coming up especially january february i think i was doing four half Ironmans and coast to coast. And I was like, I said to Kate, we've either got to pull her out of daycare because I can't handle getting sick and, and get a nanny and it's just going to cost me a fortune or because my wife's studying to be an anaesthetist. So she's she's deep in like a lot of study and exams. So um, the daycare thing is great for her to be able to get some study in. Um, and I said, oh, I'm, I'm just going to have to find a solution. And so I started looking around for stuff and I found Athletic Greens. And, mate, since I've taken that, like, even if I do get a little bit sick, I just double the dose and I'm only sick for like a day and a half. So um, that's, uh, that's really helped a lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just fit in as much as I can. I'm just kind of lucky that, I guess, from the years of training, you can kind of wing a half Ironman and sort of still go all right. But I don't think I'll ever be able to run as fast as I used to, just purely because I just enjoy doing too many other sports over running alone. And I think when I, when I got the PBs I got, I was kind of happy with them. So um, I just love the bike now. I'm obsessed with the bike, um, but I still love my running. So I just try and fit in where I can. You just do what you can. You know what it's like. You just make time. If you have to get up at 4 o'clock, you've got to get up at 4 o'clock. That's what happens. You just do it. You just do it yeah. for sure. And um, what, what about striking the balance between keeping the uh, the rig TV ready and sort of competing as an endurance <laughs> athlete? Do you um, – do you want to be carrying too much weight around in the guns for a marathon or an Ironman, mate? <laughs> mate, I've never had big muscles, and my rig's been sloppy as for probably the last <laughs> ten years. I've got. I had a dad before I was a dad, um, and it's just. I think. It, I think a lot of it, like people, are like you're not fat. I'm like, I know I'm not fat, but I just got a lot of like loose skin um, from either being overweight, and never filling it out with muscle. So the rig's never been TV ready. I try and. Um, I always like if I'm ever coming out of the water from doing a rescue. And I know there's a camera there. I just I lift the board up like the iron curtain and just try and cover the <laughs> cover the body that I got. 
Um, and I mean, you think with the amount of training that I do, it, it'd kind of be all right, but unfortunately, it's not. So the other the other trick is, and I learned this from one of my good mates, who's also a lifeguard, who doesn't train very much, and he says if he can't tone it, tan it. So I just try and keep it brown. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, brown, brown fat looks heaps better than white fat. Everyone knows that. 100%. White fat looks terrible. <laughs> so, someone, uh, someone told me once that if you're, if you're fond of a beer, you'll always have a veranda over the toy shop. <laughs> you're fond of a beer. That is true. Well, I, I go through stages with my beer drinking. I, I have this really bad, obsessive, addictive personality. Um, one thing a lot of people won't know about me is I smoked probably a pack a day for about 20 years from the age of 13. So that was probably, probably part of the reason I was overweight as a teenager. And then it was something that I was kind of addicted to for a long time. And then, um, and I kind of hit it from my lifeguard buddies when I was like, I mean, I probably didn't smoke a pack a day when I was lifeguarding the days I was lifeguarding, but, um, mate, it was a filthy habit. I hated it. My mum did it a lot. Um, she still does. Um, but it was something that I just did. And, and so, I'm kind of going through a no drinking phase at the moment, which is quite good. But the way that I – and I've used hypnotherapy a lot um, for not only that and, and, and obviously meditating as well because that's part of it um, to try and um, kind of curb that because what comes hand in hand with beer drinking is kind of for me is smoking cigarettes. So I haven't had a beer in about three months, which is which – is, I'm feeling good about it actually. It's, it's nice. I haven't thought about it. I got hypnotized again three months ago and – haven't looked back, haven't even thought about it. So so it works well, does it? I, I think it works for everyone. I think you've got to I think you've got to believe in it and I think you also really want to get out of it um what you're going there to why you're going there to do it. I found this really good lady that did it to me when I was about 33 and I didn't smoke a cigarette for 5 6 years. Um she, the funny thing was when she was doing it, she said, do you bite your nails? And I said, yeah. I said, even more so when I'm trying to not smoke. And she said, I'll just throw that one in there as well, like she was adding air content. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, mate, literally, I haven't bitten my nails since she did it. It was really? phenomenal. Yeah, she got into my head just to pull my fingers away from my mouth, and now it's just become a reflex. That's <laughs> That's um. That's unbelievable. Um, does the, the side effect of occasionally clucking like a chicken make it all worthwhile? <laughs> it's usually when the surf gets over about 10 foot. That's when I usually start clucking like a chicken. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Hey, no, mate, before we – uh, sorry, go, Eddie, you go. Uh, I was just going to say, um, so, Rudy, you, you've turned your hand to the role of race director as well, mate. Um, tell us a bit about the, the Splash series. You described the race backstory as a bit of a tearjerker. What do you mean by that? Um, well, it's, uh, it's funny. When I, I was dating a girl at the time, an English girl, and she was an absolute legend, we're still really good friends, um, but... I, I was doing garbos and lifeguards at the same time. I'd done it for about oh, what eight years or something, and but I'd had enough of like the long days. But I still wasn't ready to go full time on the beach because one thing about lifeguarding is it's great um, as a casual when you pick and choose your time and you can have time away from when you need to. But ten hours a day, nine, uh, forty hours a week for me is like I've got too much of a. I, I like to be doing other things. So when I made the call to quit being a garbo, which was pretty scary because it was such a good safe job with a good income um i kind of had nothing to do in the winter and i was like 
I wanted to really do something for the local youth center that helped me a lot when I was a teenager. And when I used to go to, obviously I was at Waverley college and the kids there um, uh, never held back when you're 110 kilos and they, they used to give you a hard time. And I guess I got bullied a bit for it. I mean, you know, some people call it bullying. I guess it was just me getting told the truth and I didn't like it in that respect. Um, not that I condone bullying, but for me, if anything, it, it made me hungrier to want to be better. Like it made me, you know, the kids being mean to me, want to, I was like, I'll show them, you know. Um, so um, I used to spend a lot of time down at the local youth centre down there at Ways, uh, at Bondi in Wairoa Avenue. Um, and every, they accepted everyone. It didn't matter any, you any shape or size, um, nationality, whatever. They just kind of accepted you. And so I wanted to raise some money for them. And I, so I decided to put on a run, swing, run event at Bondi. I thought one thing that I always do for training is run a lap of the beat base, uh, swim a lap, and then run a lap. Um, you know, the soft sand, soft sand lactate and stuff gets in your legs and then you've got to try and flog yourself for a K in the ocean and then you try and do it again on the sand. So I thought I'm going to try and turn this into a race and, um, that'll kind of take up a bit of my time in winter when I don't have much on, obviously not much lifeguarding and, and, uh, yeah. And so I, I did that and, and that, that kind of took off and we've sort of been doing that for nearly what is it, six years now. And, uh, we've raised nearly 50 grand for the local youth center, which is good. That's helped put a kitchen in there for them. And now, now that youth center has actually turned into a schooling facility for kids that, I don't know, school doesn't really fit for them. Like it. They're sort of they don't kind of similar guys to me. Like that's why I ended up getting kicked out of Waverley and going to Dover, and you know I just sort of you kind of rebelled a little bit because I was bullied and stuff. So Ways was a good place for those sort of kids, um, and it's done some amazing ki- things. It's put a lot of street kids and kids with you know parents that obviously have drinking problems and things like that. Um, it's helped put them through school and it gives them a bit of a future. So I've done that, and then we've sort of added a. Um, a, a swim on Australia Day to it, and so now we got we had three events at one point with Manly as well. But then, and then while I, it got so successful that I, it was so much work, and then I started getting all this other work with like brands like Garmin and stuff, which I loved. Like it's you know you've got to make hay while the sun shines, and you know, Garmin kind of want me to go and do all these amazing races and document it and stuff. So um, I kind of had to cull the Manly one because it was so hard organising an event over there. Purely because people from Manly hate people from Bondi, so they don't make it easy. <laughs> um, and and um and, and it was like it was just too much. So I culled the Manly one, and now we just do the two. And and uh and it's been it's been pretty successful. It's nice to partner with for my swim on Australia. Day, it's nice to partner with Dementia Australia because my mum's got dementia, and it's um it's a charity that I feel really strongly about, and it'd be great to eventually one day find a cure. And yeah. So you do fun. the um, you do the ride to remember. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, that's a mate of mine's ride, Nick Nick Young, who his wife actually is one of the big bosses now at Ironman, who I worked for at, when she was at Fairfax events. Um, I think that's how we ended up getting connected, and and Nick just kind of needed or uh, wanted an ambassador for the ride. He knew I liked riding, and so it's funny he got me on board the first year, and we didn't even. I mean, we didn't find out mum had had dementia for a couple of years after, but uh, his dad has it um, really bad. And sadly, Nick's dad, um, which is my greatest fear, is the day that my mum sort of doesn't know who I am. I think it's it's almost like losing a loved one, but you don't really lose them. They're still there, but they just don't know who you are. And, um, you know, Nick's story really, really touched me a lot. And I said, mate, I'll do anything to help you. So 
Um, and plus, you know, the, the perks of being an ambassador to a bike riding race, like I love riding my bike, let alone to bury assisted. So, um, you know, it's my, it's my kind of dream job. So I said, mate, let's, let's do it. And, um, uh, did the first two years with them and then, yeah, my mum was diagnosed with dementia. So there was a, there was actually a really close, um, you know, it really became something that was a lot closer to me and I've done every one for the last five years and um, it's a great event. Like if you like bike riding, it's such an amazing ride down there over through the National Park and and um, and right down to Berry. And this year we're actually extending it where I think there's actually a couple of spots still left. I think Bondi to Berry sold out in three hours, which is there's 120 riders uh, and you've got to raise a certain amount of money for Dementia Australia and stuff. So it's, it's not easy and you've got to ride 160 k's. And But uh, this year we're going uh, – so – 120 will ride to Berry, and then another 40 will go on and come back to Sydney, but over the Blue Mountains with you know ton of elevation. I think it's how many meters, thousand meters of elevation. But um, yeah, that's a it's a great event, and it's um it's one that I'm excited to be have a big part part of something to do with. Excellent. And how how would people find out about that one, Rudy? I am bonditeberry.com. It's usually Google yeah. these days. Just jump on yeah. Google and and, uh, and have a look. It's a yeah, it's really well organised and it's a it's a great way to have a, a safe 160k ride. And the cool thing is, once you get down there, everyone just goes straight to the donut shop, shovels donuts <laughs> in their gob, and some people stay down there and, and 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 spend the night and have a few beers, and others just jump on the train home. Yeah, cool. That sounds great. That's unreal. So before we, sorry. No, off you go. Uh, so before we move on, we should duck down to Sean at Ranella for a little chat. G'day, Sean. Thanks for giving up your time today. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. We're uh, we're doing a shoe review on the Brooks Ricochet Two. Yes, we are. Yeah, it's now obviously the two has come out, so it's in its second season. Um, not much has changed from the first, but it's uh, a nice light shoe. 275 grams, I think it weighs. It's an 8 mil drop, and it's it's in the neutral category shoe. So it's for someone with a high arch um, or medium arch and that doesn't supinate. So it is a neutral category shoe. Only comes in one width, so it's a D width, normal. Um, and it's you've been running in the Ghost, um, which has the DNA loft, which is a lot springier under, or sorry, softer underfoot with yep. the with the the foam this has got the dna amp so it's a lot more springy responsive it doesn't have that cushioned feel yep. um to it so it's for that someone who who likes a quick responsive uh underfoot um which obviously they're trying to get that spring so increase your cadence uh a little bit faster and i mean what's your what's been your feedback yeah so i've I love the Brooks Ghost, one of, one yes. of the favourite shoes that I've had that I can remember, and I've also been wearing the Hockers, and they're both shoes that have a lot of cushion, Yep. and I like a cushion shoe. I've found that this uh, shoe, the, the Ricochet, uh, has less cushion, Yes. and um, so I don't like it as much as, as the Ghost and the Hockers, yep. but that's my, my type of yeah, you know, style. Some people like a um, a shoe that where they can feel the ground or yes, you know, yeah. Flight. And this is a perfect shoe for that. It is a, it's road specific, so it's not a trail shoe. Uh, and obviously, it's got that energy return. That's what that's what they're trying to do with this DNA amp. So less, obviously, less energy energy return when obviously from the ground. And it's got a basically the upper is a flat knit 
no stitched upper. So it's got that sock-like mm. feel, yep. nice and comfortable. Noticed, and that gives it that uh, less irritation and less slippage through the heel, which has had some good feedback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's a, it's a good shoe for that five k to half marathon. Uh, to me, I think anything after that um, is uh, that's my personal opinion. You, you want that sort of cushioned feel when the legs are getting a bit tired. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's. Yeah, so I agree. I think it'd be it's 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 super light, it's springy, but um, it for me it'd, it'd be ideal for a track, you know, to run on in the track or yeah. on the grass. Um, but yeah, so I don't know about a, a long run in them. Yeah, no, you you know that's what you're saying. Yeah. But it's had good feedback, and yeah, uh, for that someone who likes that that doesn't like the cushioning yeah. feel, this is the perfect shoe for them. Yeah. The only negative, uh, as I said before, that I can th- it's only comes in a D-width, which is a normal fitting. So if you're a little bit broader, um, it's it's not not the shoe for you. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to give you that fit. Yeah, it's it's super super comfy and light, and I yeah. really like that sock feel as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and two hundred and twenty dollars, it's not bad. Yeah, good yeah. value. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, mate. No worries. See you soon. And we're back. Thanks, Sean. That was a good chat. Thanks, Sean. Uh, the Godfather, always something good to say. The Godfather, good, good with shoes. <laughs> and uh, I, I Ranala, might... I used to have a Ranala visor years oh, ago. Yeah. yeah, loved it. Yeah. It was one of my favourite visors. Yeah, they mate, duck down and grab another one. <laughs> mate, will, um, just sure. just on the uh, the charity aspect before we move on, I, I believe you guys at um, at Bondi are doing some stuff with childhood obesity as well. We did um we we did a paddle uh we did well we went over and did the Molokai to Oahu paddle um over there and we kind of we, we knew that there was five of us going to do it and we thought you know how can we encourage more kids to get moving and use the profile of the, we made a documentary on it and use the profile so we teamed up with um, Dementia Australia and yep. Garmin and we started doing Garmin Kids Active Camps which um which we haven't been doing as much anymore I guess we just all got super busy in Garmin. Um, did you know they were amazing? That we did, we did kids camps for um, sort of three or four years and went all over Australia, just you know, getting kids active, which was good. Um, but yeah, we um, we did a bit of stuff with uh, Diabetes uh, Australia, and that was good. Just trying to, I guess, I guess our target audience is is a lot of young kids. I mean, on school holidays, that's probably one way the busiest down there with um, with kids coming down and wanting photos and stuff. So um, we thought let's put it to some good use and, and raised a lot of awareness and got hopefully a lot more kids inspired and out moving and, and active. Uh, that's great. It's very admirable, mate. Hey, um, we might go to a, a listener question. So this one's from the Como Rooster. This is, a, this is the first one from the Como Rooster. He said, uh, Reedy, you're pretty fond of popping the bonnet. You know what that means? Take, 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 that means taking your shirt off it. Regularly, <laughs> and, and, he, oh. and, and in saying that, you've got a pretty cool scar across your chest. How did how'd you get the scar? Uh, so the scar came from Jesus, a long winded story. How much time we got? <laughs> <laughs> try and, I'll try and shorten it down a bit. I did a I love swim run races. I don't know if you guys know about swim run, but it's really popular over in Europe, and basically, it's kind of like triathlon but without the bike. And you also, because um, like long distance try, you 
you swim in your runners and you run in your wetsuit. So, um, so yeah, but you do it over like, like the world champs is I think 60 K of running 12 K of swimming. Um, but obviously all Jeez. broken up. Um, you can wear pool boys and you could, you can pretty much take whatever you want. Like uh, one guy, I did it. The race that I did where I got the scars, the guys that won it, one of them wore flippers, but he had to carry the flippers on the run and it was 50 K of running. Um, <laughs> I, uh, okay. where my scar came from was i me and my partner we we i had a pretty handy female partner we wanted to win the mix and and uh and so we practiced it in training we knew there was a 3k swim freshwater lake swim in the middle of it and we thought geez a 3k freshwater swim with shoes on that's going to take us a lot longer if we could take our shoes off let's uh let's do it. So we tried it in training and it worked really well where we took our shoes off, unzipped our wetsuits at the front because they're special, special swim run wetsuits. Uh, and, um, sorry, I don't know if you guys heard that. My wife was just FaceTiming me. Um, yeah, we got it. Uh, yes, we got that. And, um, and so like we, we unzipped our wetsuits at the front, stuffed our shoes in, and just zipped them back up again and swam. And we thought, you know, the buoyancy in the chest will help us get out of the water. It'd be great. In the race, we're coming second. And there's Scott Molina, like, who's a former Hawaiian Ironman winner with his mixed teammate. And they're, like, hot on our heels. And I'm about to dive in for a 3K freshwater lake swim. Water's about probably 13 degrees, 12 degrees. Stuffed my shoes in my wetsuit. Thought I'd zipped it up properly. Got about, you know... 100 meters in and it hadn't they hadn't gone in low enough and the wetsuit was sitting open and the water was gushing in i just thought i'm like you can't it's fresh water so i like you're sinking and i thought i'm just gonna have to deal with it and just swim as hard as i can and i couldn't i couldn't feel what my what was happening with the tips of my shoes you know the tips of your shoes have got like a hard rubber but what was happening was as i was swimming they were rubbing inside my because the scars are on both sides they were gouging holes in my chest um and i got to the other side i remember i like i could hardly even talk i was that hypothermic and i i said to my i can't even talk i was uh, and we were like i unzipped i unzipped my wetsuit to get my shoes out and just blood poured out of my wetsuit yeah and i was in all sorts ended up being one of the worst races of my life um and i just zipped it back up and once once it dried out like i think we had a 10k run then and it all dried out, so all the salt in the cuts was stinging, and oh, mate, it was horrendous. Couldn't keep, couldn't get my heart rate to sit at a certain, um, sit at a certain heart rate. It was just either going really high or really low. And we walked for like eight k, and we ended up, we ended up coming good. I think we still finished fourth. Um, but um, yeah, so that's where the scars came from. I was like, they just, it was the cuts were that deep that it just um, left a scar and reminded me of to slow down in a race sometimes <laughs> get it right oh that's that's a great story scars last forever you know what they say they do so yeah <laughs> that's impressive that's impressive mate um did you guys used to have your own running podcast really run run with soul i, 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 yeah. I love the play on words mate what was the uh what was the go there um, I just, I, I, I was working at 2GB at the time, uh, as a panel operator, which I loved. I, that's one thing I really want to get back into once all this kind of dies down. I'm excited to just have a nine to five job. I, my dream would be to panel like Ben Fordham, like a drive show. Yeah. Um, 
just where all the action happens, breaking news, you know, it's drive radio. Everyone loves driving home from work. Everyone's in a good mood. Um, and so, but anyway, I was working there and I said to a mate of mine, I, I just really wanted to do, do a bit of announcing work as well. So like, sorry, a bit of broadcasting. And so I thought I'll do a podcast and I was doing a podcast with one of the other lifeguards and he got really busy and that kind of died a bit, but it rated all right. And then, uh, it was called the meat and the sandwich. And we had Mark Levy on there as well. Who's on two GB obviously. And that was a bit of fun, but then I kind of love running and I, I know a bit about it and I know a few people that run. So I thought I'll just do a running podcast. I feel like it's one of the biggest sports in the world, but it wasn't really, no one was really doing it. So um, we did it and we had some amazing guests. Like we were lucky enough to talk to Herb Elliott on one of the episodes, which is obviously oh, wow. a legend. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and obviously Jan Fredino. It sort of morphed into a bit of a try show because um, one thing I, I, I learned with runners is they're unbelievable people, but, trying to get them to be trying to get some of them to be interesting is quite hard. Like us runners are a pretty dry bunch too, you know, like we're not that exciting. <laughs> um, I mean, and there's, there's only so much, you know, but I mean, I, I remember our chat with Rob DeCostella. We could not, we, we couldn't get a word in edgewise. I think it went for two hours and eight minutes and it was just him <laughs> babbling. But the feedback we got on it was unbelievable. Like he, everyone was like that chat with Deeks was, uh, was all time. And, I think at one at one point it was rating it was topping the iTunes charts. Like we were above Shaquille O'Neal's podcast at the time and a few others. So it was doing really well. I mean, the fact that we were recording it in a beautiful studio at 2GB with probably the best equipment you can use helped. Um, yeah. Now we had good stings. It was a good way for me to learn how to produce a show, which I, which again I absolutely loved. But it was just um, in the end, just time. It was just like I, I just said to Dino, who I, my good mate, who I was doing it with, who obviously a good mate of Chris Truscott and very good runner himself. I just said, mate, I can't keep going into these shows unprepared. Like, you know, we're interviewing really good, um, really good talent. And I'm just feeling like an idiot because I just don't haven't done my research. And I was, I'm just too busy as much mm-hmm. as I love doing it. It was just like, I'm traveling or it's like, and we just, we couldn't be consistent enough. And I think every time I see Dino, he's like, we're going to do another rep. And I'm like, mate, we either bring it back for good or we don't do it at all. It's, the amount of comeback shows we did and then didn't do another one was unbelievable. <laughs> Consistency is the key, mate. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, that was the thing. Like, we had a lot of people like wanting us to, to keep doing it, but we just, we, I just, did, like I said, I mean, we probably could have gone down the path of trying to monetize it. And, but as you guys know, a lot of work goes into them. And unless they're paying the bills, it's, you kind of got to pick and choose where your priorities are. I mean, at the moment, it'd be a great time to start a podcast. Everyone's at home doing nothing. Yeah, that's right. There is a bit of interest. This is how we managed to get you on the show, Reedy. <laughs> I actually had a few trips planned in the next couple of months, which kind of sucked, but that's the nature of the beast. I'm, mate, I'm lucky compared to some people. Some people are in hospitality and, you know, I'm, I'm lucky my events, my next event's not till Australia Day next year and hopefully we're past it all by then but you know i've still got to chase sponsors which is going to be hard like get, trying to get sponsored dollars will be hard come that time but yeah there's people way worse off than me so i'm i'm lucky to even still have a bit of work lifeguarding so yeah mate you got to be grateful at the moment yeah i think it's i think this is a great opportunity like for me when they were talking about full lockdown i was like my god you mean i get to go and because I'm, I'm going to go up the coast. Like, I've got a place up there that my sister was living in that's not living in anymore. And I'm, 
I'm going to probably go up there and spend two months up there over the winter, three months, live up there, well, look after my parents while mum's sick and dad's in hospital. So, um, But for me, it's like, you know, one of the best things I think about Christmas is that you're kind of forced just to hang around with your family, hang out with your family for a full day. And we get to do this for, you know, months. It's like, it's really nice to see families out there exercising together and it's, and we've just sort of been forced to hit the pause button, which I think is great. Yeah, mate, I agree. I think um, it's slowing people down and they're, uh, they'll realise that they're probably moving a bit too fast in, in general life. Yeah. Yeah, and don't you know, haven't you know, like I know as a lifeguard, I've noticed the oceans are cleaner, the air's crisper, you know, it's, 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 and whether you, whether you, we just took it for granted or not, I don't know, but I just reckon the airs definitely taste sweeter now. I mean, it's, they've had, they've had maps over places like in China where they've literally went into lockdown for, for, you know, a month or whatever, or 76 days, and the air quality's improved. Someone was telling me this morning, actually, that there's a place in, um, there's a place in India where and I could be wrong here, but no, nah, you're right. You're spot on. There's a place in, in India where they can now see the Himalayas from like 200 k out or something, where you could never see it before. It's unbelievable, mate. You imagine having that uh, view opened up to you. Oh, you'd be like, you know, like let's maybe we can. Which I think the world, like they're all saying, is the world's going to change completely now, and I think it's probably for the better. You know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The glass is half full still. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. If we can, you know, there's a few businesses are going to crash out of it, like because a lot more people will be working from home and blah blah blah. But a lot will grow out of it. I think they said that there's a good meme getting around that I think eight of the biggest businesses in the some or eight of the top businesses in the world came out of the last recession. So, oh, is that right? Yeah, I think like Airbnb, Uber, and all those ones were born when everything was when shit hit the fan, when I think the, I think it was the last recession or something like that. I could be wrong, okay. but yeah. It's time to jump on board, Wolfie. Running matters. It's happening. Mm. Divide and conquer. So oh, speaking of glasses, gla- <laughs> yeah, <you> t- <laughs> I'm talking about glasses half full, Rudy. Um, when we uh, interviewed CT, he invited us over to do the six by six over at the Coogee Bay Hotel. Um, have you done that one with him before? He's tried to get me, I think, once, and I was, um, I think it might have been when I just started my my time off the piss. So, um, but yeah, mate, I would never hesitate if I was on the drink. I'd like, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have we're to get over there when we're out of lockdown. Yeah, we're, we're keen to, to, to go over there, but we're worried we won't get home. I think they're going to be <laughs> That's mad. the hard thing. Well, that's yeah. the great thing about Uber. Uber will get you home. Yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> I think they're thinking about blowing up the three bridges into the Shire, so we might not. You never know. <laughs> Why are they doing that? You don't want to... Are you guys... Are you guys Isolation. Mm. Yes. Yeah, but... You guys Shire, boys. Yeah, yeah, you must have been happy when the Sharkies won the... Won the Premiership, finally. That's right. I was there, mate. I've never seen more grown men crying in my life. Really? My mate of yeah. mine, he said the party in the car park was just utes full of eskies of beers for, like, days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true, true. We're a bunch of true bogans, Rudy, that's for sure. <laughs> I, know, mate, I, I like the show. I'd move down there. That's, one of my, that's actually my, my go-to when I need to do a 30K run. This year, this, today I actually went north, but um, I normally run to Cronulla because it's, it's about 32K. 
Um, and it's one of my favourite runs. You just literally run down here, back of the airport, um, and then cut. And then there's a path that'll take you down, pretty much down to the front of Brighton, and then Brighton the Sands all the way to. Is it Tom Ugly's Bridge? Is that the bridge? Uh, the bridge? Captain Cook. Captain Cook. Captain Cook Bridge, right over that. Now the path is finished from Captain Cook Bridge all the way to the back of Shark Toyota. Park. Yeah, Shark Park, Park yeah. exactly. We should actually we should mention that uh, host Matt Wolfman North just completed a two forty nine marathon on his own on that path last Sunday. Pretty bloody impressive, Wolf. On the path. Yeah, don't get out much, and isolation <laughs> will do things to you. Pretty much along that same path. <laughs> the Very impressive, Wolf. But with a 249, you'd have you'd got to have an easy sub 50 city of surfing, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. I haven't, um, I haven't been back to the city to surf for about 10 years. So, so maybe I have to get back there and give it a crack. What is it about the city to surf? Why have you not been back? Um, I don't know. I, I I do like the race. Uh, I did it like I did it a long time. My best time is fifty two minutes. I, I do love the race, but now I could do it with my oldest daughter um, and, and jog with her. So I've sort of oh yeah yeah I don't yeah I'd, I'd probably get more satisfaction out of giving her the experience and and jogging with her rather than racing it. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, gotcha. but yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, but it's it's great. I, I saw you on the um, on the commentating after the uh, doing the commentary for the whole race. That would have been good fun, mate. It was. Um, I, yeah, I only got to call them home because I was just at the finish. I've done the start once. I think I either butchered it or they just thought, oh, that the um, Hawley, the guy that does it now, he's really good. Um, I got the job after Kurt Hansen completely butchered it and. Um, um, tried to get him to do a Mexican wave. Tried to get Westpac wave to do a Mexican wave and started twenty minutes early. <laughs> Classic. He pretty much, he pretty much got the sack after that. But um, and then I got the start. And then I did the finish. But it was, um, mate. This year was a, oh, mate. It was crazy what happened with Harry Summers. Like, you know, on the clock he'd broken the record, but he actually hadn't. Yeah, con- a bit controversial, hey. Well, it kind of was, and it, he made it controversial. He was told the reason why he didn't break the record. Um, it was a phenomenal run. That's probably one of the best runs in Australia in the last 10 years, I reckon. Have to be up there. Um, but, yeah, like he was explain, he got explained to, even it'll even look like you've broken the record on your results, but it's actually the gun time. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, what I'm talking about. I don't know if we need to explain it to the listeners, but, no. but, um, but yeah, so basically the city to surf start line is always been college street on the other, on the Western end, but the timing mats, because there's so many people who got across the timing mats, it's on the other side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. The record has always been gun time, not your net time. Mm. And so, um, yeah. So Harry's, yeah, that's the record and that's just what happened. And so he, yeah, poor bugger. But yeah, he went to the news and everyone went to the press that night after he was even told that someone must have got in his ear and said, Mate, you've broken the record, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You'd be devastated. Oh mate, to get that close, like you're talking two seconds or something. For a thirty year old record as well, that's uh 
Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't go, mate. Monas is my hero, and I'm so stoked he still got it. Um, yeah. And uh, that was another great interview. I interviewed him coming in around, I think he came in at like 54 minutes this year or something. But it was so funny, all these punters like racing him up the hill and stuff, and he was just rooting, mate. <laughs> yeah. The uh, that footage of him when he when he had the mic on him when he was running that race and and he was doing the the live commentary was just you know is just unbelievable. Where can you find that? I mean, I know and Dave Robbo have tried to find it. We can't find the footage, but like, yeah, the fact that he was like still a chance at like with a K to go, and then you know like he's, radio he's in third. Yeah, he's in third place. Yeah, he's just a legend as well. He's such a All right, mate. Well, I think we've taken up plenty of your time, so it's great chatting to you. Um, let us know. Uh, yeah, let let us know next time you're heading out for a long run, and we can we can catch up and join you. And um, not and not let us know when you two forty nine pace. No way, I'm running with you. You'll drop me. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'll uh, I'll drop the anchor. Don't worry about it, Rudy. <laughs> mate, two forty nine. What were you just obviously? You, is that is that would that be your quickest marathon? Are you? Are you yeah, yeah. That 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 was yeah. That was my quickest. So I had a mate, um, Ali oh. Ali Najim, uh, pace me on the day. So without him, it uh, wouldn't have happened. So um, I had a mate pace me and 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 help me run that time. So yeah, I had a good day. Was that was that a goal two forty nine? Did you go out at that pace, or did you negative split? What, how talk us through you talk us through your I, run? I actually <laughs> uh, I was I was hoping to um, to run two forty five, and um, I just slowed down at about so that's three fifty five k pace. So I I held that up to about thirty k's, and then after the thirty k's. 30 to 40 Ks, I ran four-minute K pace, so I slowed down, um, yeah, that five seconds for those 10 Ks. And then the last uh, – about about the last four Ks, I blew out to, um, you know, 4.15s, 4.23. So sort of overall lost four minutes from from what I was doing. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm keen to get back and have another crack. That's why I'm, I'm sort of um, scouting around. And looking for um, a new course. I'm surprised they haven't done many virtual marathons somewhere. I mean, it's a hard one, but like if they kind of like what Red Bull did with their, I guess the hard thing would be with a virtual run on the road is that someone will just jump on a bike and be an idiot, you know? Mm, um, yeah, whereas yeah. Red, Red Bull were doing some cool stuff with Strava um, from the Spit Bridge to Manly and they did like a bit of a race. I think Benny St. Lawrence yeah. ended up getting the time, but you just had to go and run it. You just had to go and run that segment, and and that was your you were, where you ranked. I think I was I was in the top ten for a bit actually for a while, and then a few guns came and just knocked me off. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that was that was quite cool. I'm surprised no one's done anything like that yet virtually. Um, yeah, I know. Well, I and red. Sorry. sorry, sorry, you go. I was just going to say I know that the Sydney Trail Series was trying to come up with an idea for the Manly Dam run that they were going to do, where they were going to start everyone. Um, uh, which would have worked quite well on the trails. The only problem is you, I don't know, I'd end up counting it in the end. But um, yeah, hopefully this will all be over soon and we can find somewhere to race. Yeah, absolutely. What's the next all race right, for mate, you? Well, Sorry, Rudy. Before we get, let's uh, go. 
Mate, I, well, that's Gold Coast. Like, that's kind of what I'm trying to keep my base up. The only thing is I've, I've, I've fallen in love with um, indoor cycle, like using the indoor trainer. I've got myself one of those tax trainers. And the problem is, like, you do a hard session on that trainer, you are cooked. Like, today I was going to try and run um, Bronte to Palmy, which is about 45K. Um, hmm. But I, I did a hard session on the trainer yesterday, and I hit 23K, and I was cooked. So I turned around and ran to Manly and got the ferry home but um yeah i've sort of fallen in love with that so i'm i guess i'm just kind of trying to keep a good base trying to do some hard sessions and then hope and pray that goldie still happens and then i'll have probably if we find out middle of may i'll still have a good sort of two months to just sharpen the tools and and uh and hopefully bang out a sub three hour um with enough time to scale the beer but if that's Goldie doesn't happen. Who knows, mate? I think I think all, I was I was looking to do Tokyo Marathon too, and that was the first major that was cancelled, um, which was a bit annoying. I was sort of on the plane on the Thursday, and they cancelled it on the Tuesday, which was very shit. Devastating. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully everything just gets pushed back to later in the year, October or whatever. Well, the problem is with that is that you know, you're going to have obviously event numbers will either be down or because everyone's in isolation and all they can do is run. Maybe they'll all be up. Maybe they'll, um, yeah, but I know that I think five of the majors are in October. So mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure the UTA has been put on the same date as the city to surf. Oh, right. That's the 18th. Is it the 18th of October, Hattie? Uh, UTA is 24th or 25th, I think. Okay. Uh, have a look at whatever the new dates are, but I'm but I'm pretty sure there was a clash with it anyway. Um, but I know that the UTA is on the same weekend as the either the City to Surf now or the City Morning Herald half, but they're both on, owned by the same company. Yeah, yeah sure. City to Surf is on the City to Surf's on the 18th, and so UTA is on the 24th. So it might be the half, might be the Sydney half. Yeah, maybe it's the half. I think it's always shared the same weekend. But that's it's pretty amazing for running in Sydney that you can sell out two of those major events like that. Yeah, yeah that's great. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, and it's good that I haven't kind of um, – that have kept the UTA the way it is still. Like I don't think they've upped the prices and I think it's still – have you guys done the UTA before? That's a, it's a good event. I did the 50 last year or the year before. Yeah, mate, I've hey. been up there probably nine nine years running. Okay. What do you do? The yeah, 50? done the 100 a few. Oh, I've done the 100 a bunch of times, done the 50 a couple of times. Yeah, a bit of both. Did the 22 last year. That was uh, brutal. What do you do the 100 in? Uh, 12, 20 odd was my best time a couple of years back. That's good. That's great. Thanks, mate. <laughs> well done. Appreciate it. <laughs> we're we're looking at a course if we if we if this sort of doesn't back off a bit, and we're obviously not going to do it as a big group, but we'll do it like you know two out. But we're thinking of going to, trying to make a hundred k course from Bondi to Palmy, and you finish you finish at Bowen Barren Joey Headland. Oh, nice. mate, I'll be in on that if you if you're going to make it happen. Yeah, try and make a Strava segment. So it combines the Bondi to to uh, Manly, and then you. Ta- I just think it might be a bit further than a hundred if you were to go all the way to Palmy. You may have to cut a bit out of the Bondi to Manly because that's. Or just go a bit further, Reedy. Toughen up, mate. 
Oh, mate, the furthest I've gone is 50. I don't know if I'm ready to go straight to 120. That's a bit hectic. <laughs> Especially because of the hills. Like, you know, you've got the spit hill, you've got the hill out of the Harbour Bridge, you've got, mate, there's some hectic hills. Military road to start with from Bondi straight to Watson's Bay. Mate, you've yeah. done the UTA 50. That's, you know, they're, they're nothing compared to those hills. Jeez, I went into a dark place at 40, I think it was 44K. <laughs> In the UTA 50. Wow. Dark. Oh, dark. Kicking stones, you know what it's like. <laughs> no, beer, no beers out there? No beers out there. Geez, there was a few drunk after that, but I earned them that day. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> no worries. I'm All right. Running. Well, uh, great, great chatting to you, mate. Um, come and do a, a run in, in the uh, Royal National Park with us. We can do a real long one down there. What do you do, Lady Carrington, down there? Yeah, we're regulars there. Yep. Do you know what? It's funny. As well as the 100K we were talking about there, the other one we were talking about was, and this is a mate of mine who likes to do crazy stuff, is we run Bondi to Cronulla, ferry across to Bundina, but they've cancelled the ferry, and then run from Bundina down to... um, Scarborough beers at the Scarborough Hotel. Train home. Yeah, I like that idea. I'd, I'd do that tomorrow if you organise it. <laughs> Probably not tomorrow for me, but give me a few days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, that's a good one. But unfortunately, that ferry's not running at the moment because of um, Corona. So we'll have to wait yeah. unless we swim across. What would that swim be like? Uh, paddle, mate. Dangerous. Dangerous. Big, big men in grey suits. <laughs> the nose right. <laughs> Well, we run right. around the outside, run up water from the hill. That wouldn't be that much fun, but would it? Nah, shocking. That'd be uh, that'd be shocking. Shocking. Oh, all right, mate. We'll uh, we'll let you go. Great chatting to you, and um, I'm sure we'll be in. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thanks for your time, mate. No worries. Thanks, thanks for having me. I look forward to hearing it. Okay, we'll be in touch. See you, buddy. Cheers, Reedy. Get to them, mate.